You've come a long way, baby. That was a popular ad slogan in the 70s and 80s, championing women's progress. In the seemingly never-ending battle to secure software, the same can be said today. We've come a long way, baby. But there's still lots of work to be done. Hello, I'm Rob O'Regan, Global Content Director with IDG, and in Episode 1 of our podcast series, A Hard Look at Software Security, we'll discuss the gains software developers are making in security, and we'll also explore the realities of software vulnerabilities and lagging fix rates that remain major business challenges. This podcast is brought to you by Veracode, which delivers the application security solutions and services today's software-driven world requires. I'm joined today by Chris Eng, Vice President of Research with Veracode. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Rob. Good to be here. Veracode recently released its latest version of the State of Software Security Report, and we'll go over some of those highlights today. But let's start with an overview of the research. Chris, why does Veracode do this research every year? Sure. This State of Software Security Report is the largest quantitative study of AppSec data that exists to my knowledge. And the reason we do it every year is really to give our readers and our customers an insight into what's going on in the world of AppSec. What's getting better? What's getting worse? What behaviors are we seeing? Which trends are we seeing? And we're in, in a unique position to do that because of the way that our service is delivered. Because we're a cloud service, all of the analysis that we do happens on our end. And so we can then data mine all of the great stuff that we get and actually look across different industries, across different regions, and report back on what we're seeing. So we do this every year. The data set gets bigger and bigger every year. This year, it's uh, a 12-month data set comprising 2 trillion lines of code and 700,000 application scans. So it's a massive data set, and we can learn a lot by looking at that uh, information. So right off the top, there is some good news from the current report. The research finds that software security is improving, correct? Yeah, we're seeing that about you know, nearly 70% of flaws discovered through scanning were closed by customers through remediation or mitigation. And so that rate of closure has actually gone up about 12% since the previous report. So we're seeing a little bit of improvement in that sort of activity year over year. So that's a, a, a nice finding. We know there's often a but, though, when it comes to good news and security. Where do the challenges remain from a software security standpoint, Chris? Well, there are still a lot of vulnerabilities, and there are a lot of vulnerable applications. When you look across the board, we find that still 85% of all applications contain at least one vulnerability, and more than 13% of applications contain at least one very high severity or critical vulnerability. And when I say at least one, in most cases, it's a lot more than one. Sort of another challenge for us is that even some of these categories of software flaws that we've known about for years and years, cross-site scripting, we're still seeing hover in the 48% prevalence range, which means that 48% of the apps that we scan have at least one cross-site scripting vulnerability. And that's actually gotten worse than, since last year. SQL injection, which is another category that often leads to breaches and is, is found to be at fault in, in many of these large breaches, is still hovering around 27.5% prevalence. Cryptographic issues, around 64%. So we're seeing these categories which are not new, and we've really known how to fix them for a while. We're not seeing them go away at the rate that we would like to. Those numbers certainly get your attention. Uh, the real challenge is, is actually finding and fixing those vulnerabilities before they're exploited. That's a persistent problem, as the report notes, correct? 
Yes, it is. And, you know, the way I kind of think about this is that you, you can't scan yourself secure, right? You can scan and scan and scan, but if you don't do something about that, if you don't fix what you find, your security is actually not getting any better over time, right? And that's why one of our focuses for this particular report was remediation patterns. We wanted to figure out what was exactly happening there and try to draw some conclusions about, you know, what's happening, what are people remediating, what factors are driving people or organizations to remediate the flaws that they find faster. And so we worked with a data science firm on this, uh, Scientia Institute, and they helped us with something called survival analysis. And that allowed us to take each flaw that was found and kind of look at the lifetime of that. So you can start with when it was identified the first time, and we can track over time. Like if the customer comes back and scans that application again and they fix the flaw, we'll notice that. We'll see that it went away. If they didn't fix it, we'll detect it again. But we can correlate that that's the same flaw in scan number one as it was in scan number two. And so now we have kind of a lifetime of these flaws. And so what that gives us the ability to do is look at the population of flaws that are discovered at a given point in time and see how long it takes them to actually be remediated, if, if at all. And there's plenty that actually don't get fixed. So looking at the overall population uh, and using that survival analysis, we found that over 70% of flaws went unfixed a month after discovery, 55% remain three months after discovery, and 25% of those high and very high severity flaws were still not addressed within 290 days of discovery, so you know, nearly 300 days there. So it's a little bit sobering that maybe for people outside software that things don't get fixed faster, right? You would think that you detect it, you fix it, you detect it, you fix it. But in reality, it actually takes a lot longer than that. Well, sobering indeed. Uh, a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Vericode, which delivers the application security solutions and services today's software-driven world requires. Chris, what did the research find when it comes to open source software? Well, in prior state of software security reports, the data showed that vulnerable open source software components were pretty rampant within most software. We largely assemble software today. We don't when we write a new application or a new website piece of software, we don't write that from scratch. We don't write every line of code. We borrow a lot of components so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. So let's say I want to write something that allows people to upload images or export to XML files or do a lot of common things that many applications do. I'm going to download a library to do that, and then I'm going to build my own custom logic around it that makes it you know, business-specific to whatever application I'm building. But essentially, I'm downloading and borrowing lots of different components to, to conduct those features that, that everyone needs. And uh, when we looked at the composition of applications in our customer base, we found the same thing, that over time, applications are still rife with components, and not just components, but flawed components. So whenever there's a shared library that uh, lots of applications use, that library is also code that somebody wrote, right? So that can contain vulnerabilities as well. So what happens when I just download and use that is I'm now inheriting the vulnerabilities that are inherent in that particular library and any of the libraries that I use. So now my overall risk is comprised of the flaws that I introduce myself and the flaws that I inherit from things that I borrow and, and download. And um, so that, that creates quite an attack surface. We found that 
the vulnerabilities in Java didn't really change that much from last time. So 87.5% of Java apps contained at least one vulnerable component. And that carried you know, pretty similarly in other languages, 92% of C++ apps, 85% of .NET apps contained at least one vulnerable component. And this is a tough area for most orgs to deal with. It's only in the recent years that most organizations have realized that this is an area that they need to focus on. And you know, when they go back and try and figure out all the different libraries they're using and all the vulnerabilities that they're inheriting, that's a difficult piece of security debt to actually get over. Because anytime you update a library, especially if it's a version from a long time ago, there's the potential for breakage. So this is a hurdle that most orgs we're talking to are struggling with quite a bit. But it's, it's something that, again, increases your risk, and your attackers don't really care if you wrote the vulnerability that they're attacking, right? They just care that the, the vulnerability is there. So you have to take all of this into consideration. Right, right. Uh, one of the ways to address this is by building security right into the development process. That's a practice known as DevSecOps, and, and it continues to gain ground. Um, what did the research find, Chris, when it comes to this emerging practice? I think this is actually the most interesting finding in the report to me, because what we did was we looked at, we, we tried to figure out okay, is, is an organization using DevOps or not? And we can't tell that by looking at flaw results, right? But we can look at other pieces of metadata to try and figure out if they're using DevOps. And what we chose to use as a proxy for, for that is scan frequency. A big part of DevOps is automation and continuous integration and continuous deployment. And in order to do that, you have to, be, you have, to have an automated tool chain that scans and does your QA checks and does as much as possible through, through automation. And so we assume that a high rate of scanning, a high frequency of scanning, would mean that there's a lot of automation happening in the process, and that would signify that an organization is using DevOps. So we looked at the applications in the data set, and we said, are they being scanned once a year or five times a year or a thousand times a year? And Obviously, the things that were higher uh, were more likely to be DevOps-related. We had one application, I think, that was scanned you know, 1,300 times over the course of the year. So I can't imagine that somebody pressing a button each time. Anyway, uh, when we looked at that, what we did find was that, that was scan frequency was a factor that correlated highly to remediation rates. So organizations that did have DevOps or DevSecOps programs really outperformed their peers in how quickly they addressed flaws. We found that overall, the most active DevSecOps programs fixed flaws about 11 and a half times faster than the typical organization. And some even better numbers, uh, looking at the apps that were scanned you know, 300 plus times a year, they fixed 75% of their flaws that were detected within seven days. And that's compared to 472 days to hit that same milestone across you know, the average of all applications. So these orgs that are scanning frequently, seeing those results come back, every day they're probably seeing them like, oh, it's still not fixed, still not fixed. I think that constant reminder is actually encouraging them to fix those flaws. And we're seeing, we saw a very beautiful graph that kind of showed, you know, with that increase in scan frequency, the speed of remediation just got faster and faster and faster. So I think that was to me, the, the most interesting finding, and it really is demonstrative that there is something to this DevOps and DevSecOps thing. Yeah, that is very interesting. 
Um, the report also looks at regional differences in flaw persistence. What did you find from a global standpoint, Chris? We broke the data down into three regions. So we had Americas, uh, APAC, uh, Asia Pacific, and Middle East, uh, or EMEA, which also includes Europe. So our data is largely dominated by U.S. organizations, so you have to you know, keep that in mind. There's a lot more U.S. data. But in breaking it down into those categories, we found that APAC kind of gets a quick start, but they have a long tail. So they're the quickest to remediate like those first 25% of their flaws. They do that in eight days, whereas the Americas takes 22, Europe takes 28. But then the Americas kind of catch up, so they get to the 75% closure mark faster, not fast, but faster. The Americas get there in 413 days, whereas APAC and EMEA take over 800 days to get to that point. So, you know, it's interesting to look at, and none of them are really kind of shining examples of remediation, and I think this is going to be something that will be interesting to look at going forward once we get more data in those regions and, and can start to break it down even more. In closing, Chris, what do you see as the biggest takeaways from this edition of the State of Software Security Report? So uh, I got ahead of myself with that one, talking about DevOps before. But for me, it's what drives remediation. And we looked at a number of different factors and tried to correlate those factors with remediation rates. Do people fix more severe flaws faster? Generally, a little bit, but ultimately not as much faster as you would think. Was it business criticality of the application that drove fast remediation? No. Was it exploitability? No. The only thing that we actually looked at and was able and were able to kind of pull out as this factor shows a clear correlation to faster fix rates was scan frequency. And so it's really, as far as I know, the first real evidence, quantitative evidence, that not only can security coexist with DevOps, but that DevOps may actually drive better security behavior if it's done right. And so that's the biggest takeaway for me, and I haven't seen that described or really proven out in any other report to date. So I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to that in the future. It sounds like a lot of us should be paying more attention to that. Uh, that's a great summary, and we'll end it there. Thanks to Vericode's Chris Ang for his insights today. In the next episode of our podcast series, we'll dig into more detail about DevSecOps, how effective the practice is, and why more enterprises should consider adopting it. In the meantime, please visit vericode.com for more information about the latest state of software security report. For IDG and Vericode, I'm Rob O'Regan. <laughs>